oh, you're, you're, you're afraid that I'm just going to step in and give them a hand because I always seem to do that? Yeah, that's not fair. What do you mean? You and I both know, God, that if I don't step in at some point, that the things are going to go crazy. And you know how that works, right? I, if I don't step in and say, well, wait, you want me to trust you? Trust you. God, last time I, yeah, I know. I, I, I understand, God. But Lord, I'm trying to figure this out. So, so if, if I don't step in and give them a hand, then at some point, how are they ever going to know what they're supposed to be doing? Oh, you, you'll tell them? But what do you mean you'll tell them? I mean, you know how it is. I try to tell people how what to do, and, and oftentimes they, they act like they're listening, but they're not really listening. So uh, what do you mean take my hands off? I, I thought you brought me here to actually talk to them about things like this. So, so what do you want me to do, God? If I don't say something, who will? Oh, no one on earth will, but you will? Well, that's harsh. So, so God, what do you want me to do? Trust you and take my hands off? Yeah, thanks. I'll, I'll do my best. To do, well, hang on a second, God. I'm not exactly sure what you said. Can you clarify that a little bit? Wait, I can't hear you. You're breaking up. I, I must be in a bad location. Oh, oh, oh God, are you there? You're, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just, I'll just go ahead and give them a hint that they're not really listening to God. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing, isn't it how quickly we try to sign on to a conversation with God and how rarely we listen. We'll get all conversation with God because we do a lot of the yapping and a lot of the talking, but when do we stop to listen to what it is that God's saying to us? We're in the middle of a three-week series entitled Hotline to Heaven. I want to talk to you about how to communicate with God. Will you join me as we pray? Lord, thank you so much for your grace. God, would you help us to learn how to, how to listen to you? Often we'll talk at you. And though we might hear you, God, I wonder sometimes if we're really listening. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hotline to heaven. I'm using the phrase hotline, and a lot of you who are over the age of 40 know what this is. It's actually a telephone with no screen. There's, there's no LED put, output. Anything. It's just a telephone, right? And, and uh, remember when we were kids that you could unscrew the bottom part there and take the little piece out? Remember that? Don't tell me you didn't do that if you were a brother. All brothers did that to their sisters, right? You take the piece out, and then you could hear, but you couldn't. <laughs> you could hear what the person was saying the other side, but you couldn't hear what you were saying. I think sometimes in our talk with God, we need to be a little less talky and a little more listening. Hmm. Hotline to heaven. Where'd the word hotline come from? Hotline came from back in 1963 between the United States and Russia when during the Cold War we had this big fear that someone was going to get anxious and push the big bomb button. And so they created an open, an open secure line between us and the Soviet Union to be able to talk with them before uh, we, we made an agreement that someone would talk before they decided to push. So hopefully that would happen and was typified by a red phone in the Oval Office. Whether that actually existed as a red phone or not, we'll never know. But I can tell you the idea was is there was an open line of communication. Could you imagine if we had an open line of communication with the God of the universe could you imagine if we had an open line to dialogue between God and ourselves? Could you imagine what it would be like if we knew that we could get the ear 
of the king of all kings that have ever lived. Listen, if you're a believer in Christ and you follow him with your heart, you have that access. The real question oftentimes for me when dealing with the issue of communicating with God isn't so much whether or not we can hear his voice. To be honest with you, what I found more than ever is that most of us struggle to listen to what it is that he's saying. You know, if you've been in a relationship for 10 minutes, you know there's a difference between hearing and listening. Come on. Come on. You've been in a relationship at all, you realize that you can hear all kinds of things, but whether or not you're listening is the real key. Listening. What is listening? Glad you asked. Listening is the idea that we will actually spend time trying to understand what it is that we're hearing. Listening is trying to understand what it is that we're hearing. Hmm. Last week we talked about how to, how to know we're not hearing God's voice. I told you four things. You'll know you're not hearing God's voice when you don't want to get counsel or read your Bible about what it is you're hearing. You'll know you're not hearing God's voice when the voice seems to come out of thin air and it's not familiar at all. You'll know you're not hearing God's voice if it's urgent. You know you're not hearing God's voice if it eventually fades away. You know, you would think that this God of the universe who speaks to his people would be able to speak clearly enough to where we would understand. I love that God says in the book of Revelation chapter 2, I stand at the door and knock. If any of you would like to open the door, I'll come in and have supper with you. I love that the Bible says God stands at the door and knocks. Think about that for a second. You know, the enemy of our souls, he doesn't stand at the door and knock. He just tries to kick it in, right? The enemy of our souls wants to just bust in the door. I love how God says, I'll stand at the door and just knock. You open the door when you want. I love that God says, listen, I'm speaking. You can choose to listen or not. You can hear me, but will you listen to me? If you have your Bibles, open it up to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I love this. Hey, today, 23 years ago, I got the, the honor of uh, my wife and I uh, got to see our babyest, youngest girl come into the world, Bailey's 23rd birthday. It was awesome. So happy birthday. Amazing. Also know it's a little birdie told me Aggie's birthday as well. So way to go. Uh, uh, it was funny. It was on Veterans Day when we had Bailey. And I remember we were in Enumclaw Hospital. And they told us, the veterans of the Enumclaw area came in and they said, we will give a brand new car seat to the first baby born on Veterans Day, right? And so I walked into our room and I said, Polly, push. <laughs> she goes, wait, what? And I was like, no, really, we don't have another option. Push. <laughs> You'd think I was joking. <laughs> we won the seat, by the way. Yay. <laughs> way to go, hon. Way to push. There we go. John chapter 10, John chapter 10, let me give you a little context. John chapter 9, just before this, Jesus is talking with a, a bunch of people, and there's a bunch of religious people around him. Jesus uh, get, takes a moment to heal a blind man who was born blind uh, from birth, obviously. He was born blind, never seen before. His disciples and religious people around him, the religious people said, hey, was he blind because his parents sinned, or was he blind because he was sinful? And Jesus says, Neither. I love this. So then Jesus ends up wiping some spitting on the ground. And why he did that, I don't know. But he wiped mud on his eyes and healed this guy's blind eyes. The Pharisees who were in chapter 9, listening and watching this whole thing, lose their minds because Jesus healed this blind guy. It's amazing to me, get this, 
They lost their minds not because Jesus gave him his sight. They lost their minds because Jesus healed them on the wrong day. Jesus healed them on the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for rest. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. What are you doing, Jesus? They missed the miracle because they were hung up in legalism. It's amazing to me. I was thinking about this as I was reading this. It got me thinking about how often we miss miracles because we're hung up on something. How often we miss the miracles of somebody, uh, of, of, of the, the day showing up the following day, of, uh, of your kids walking in and saying, I love you, and getting along with each other for a minute. It, it, all the things, the, the miraculous moments where your paycheck gets deposited in the bank on time. All those things we think like, yeah, they ain't no big deal. And realizing that God provided for you and he made that happen. And I think sometimes, just like Pastor Steve said, we forget to be thankful for what it is that God's done. And we miss the miracles because we're hung up on the situation. So these, these religious folks get hung up on the fact that Jesus healed this blind guy on the Sabbath. Hmm. Go over to chapter 10, verse 1. This is, the, the, this is the, the makeup of the crowd of what he was talking to. Jesus says, I assure you that anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. For a shepherd enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice and come to him. He calls to his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. They follow him because they recognize his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't recognize his voice. Three times in just these few short verses, we hear a reference to hearing or recognizing the voice of God. Verse 3, they hear his voice. Verse 4, they recognize his voice. And verse 5 says, they didn't recognize the stranger's voice. Hearing and listening. Hearing is through the ears, but listening is through the mind. Hearing is through the ears, but listening is through the mind. Listening is when you try to understand what it is that you're hearing. Listening is when we try to understand what we're hearing. Uh, Polly and I, back in 2010, went to, uh, we went through 17 months of marriage counseling. And listen, if you've been married for eight seconds, you need marriage counseling. Amen. Some of you are like, you went to marriage counseling? What must have happened? We got married. All right, so we actually celebrate our 30 years of marriage here. So back in 2010, we needed some time to get some stuff straightened out. So I remember going into the office of our counselor, and it was Dr. Dr. Steve. We went in there to Dr. Steve, and this is no joke. We sat down into his office, and uh, Dr. Steve looks over at Polly. I'm in one spot. She's in a chair. We weren't that close. It was important because... We needed to be separated at the moment. And so we, he, Pastor, Pastor, or Dr. Steve actually says this. He goes, so Polly, how are you doing today? That's all he asked. He didn't say pray. He didn't nothing. Polly, how are you doing today? And she was like, well, let me tell you how I'm doing today. Lance didn't listen. Lance was insensitive. Lance didn't hear my feelings. Lance didn't all these things. And I'm like, there's another side to this story. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm loading up, I'm loading up my heart because I'm going to just unload both barrels and say, listen, because he's going to hear the other side as soon as he asks me how my day's going, right? So she goes on for 20 minutes, right? And so it's probably more like 40 seconds, but it felt like 20 minutes. And the whole time I could tell I was on the edge of my seat, ready to just tell him how I was really feeling in my side of the story. And so, so we get in that moment, right? And she's like, and Lance, and Lance, and Lance. And I'm like, hmm. Look over at me, Dr. Steve. I got something to say, right? The whole time. I'm not even kidding. And so I could tell that she wasn't paying attention to me. She was just sharing her heart. 
And then, then Dr. Steve looks over at me and he goes, okay, Lance, um, what did you hear Polly say? And I was like, uh, nothing. <laughs> nothing after Lance shoulda. <laughs> I didn't hear a thing. And he's like, well, I just want you to know what you heard her say because I sat here listening. I was like, you know what she said. We were both here. You tell me what she said. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, nice try. You clearly were not listening. I said, I heard it. He goes, no, you didn't listen. It was, a, it, was a, it was a great moment for me to, it wasn't a great moment. It was a, it, it was a moment that I recognized how, uh, how not actively of a good listener I was. And at some point, we have to get to the place. Could, could you imagine if that little phrase showed up in your walk, maybe your communication with God? What do you hear me saying? Could you imagine if you spent time with God in prayer and then say, Lord, here's what I hear you saying. And you told him what you heard. And you waited there until you heard what he was saying. I guarantee you, if you're wrong, he'll let you know. He'll just tell you, nope, that's not what I was saying at all. <laughs> Sit here a little longer and I'll show you. I want to talk to you this morning about how to hear the voice of God. It may be a little different than what you've heard before. You could certainly Google the answers to this. But I want to, I want to bend your ear just a little bit to, to, to help you create some understanding. I got a great message this week from... Uh, from a good friend of mine, Pastor Keith, who shared me some great insights on how to hear the voice of God. And I'm going to share some of that with you this morning. Uh, but, but I want to get to the point where we can actually realize that, that there are places that God's been speaking to us that I think we've been running past because we've heard them, but we've not listened to them. Hmm. Active listening. By the way, can I just say that there might be some of you here today who actually would say to themselves, Lance, I... I, I feel like I'm on the outside looking in. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like I've never heard the voice of God. And you feel like, you know, Lance, there's like a secret handshake or some sort of a secret phrase that you're supposed to say in order to hear God's voice. I've not heard that. Maybe that's you this morning. Can I say if that's you, you're safe here. You're safe here because you're probably more similar to the rest of us than you think. You didn't miss the secret handshake conversation. You didn't get the, you didn't miss the password. <laughs> I just want you to know, you probably have been hearing the voice of God and not known it. So we're going to take some time to unpack a little bit about what that looks like from this passage in John chapter 10. Is that all right? How to recognize God's voice. How do you recognize God's voice? Number one, to recognize God's voice, God's voice will always be in harmony with his word. God's voice will always be in harmony with his word. John chapter 10, verse 1 says this, I assure you that anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. God's voice will always be in harmony with his word. It'll always match up with his word. That's the thing that God's given us is he's not going to give us something that's outside the lines of what it is that he's already told us. That's the beauty. We have something that we can come back and reference and say, oh, this is what you said before because it says it in your word and begin to, to line that up a little easier. God's voice will always line up with his spoken word. Uh, I agreed to uh, go on a missions trip in February. I'm going to, to Myanmar with Caleb and Carrie Joe and some uh, other people that are from our church that are going to go. And, and if you know me at all, you, you'll know that I'm not, I'm not a missions going guy. Not because I think it's bad or wrong, it's just because I'm large and don't fit in the airplane seat, all right? You think that's funny, all right? Let me tell you this. One day I'll find a Boeing engineer and let him know what I'm thinking. But nevertheless, I, I, I'm telling you this. 
so, so God and I made this deal a long time ago. And I said, Lord, I'll honor what you said in your word. And I can tell you this. The, the Bible says in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is Jesus talking. He says, the next word says, Go, make disciples of all nations. And then he goes on. He says, Go, make disciples of all nations. You know what I read when I read Matthew 28, 18 through 20? That we're all supposed to go. And I made a deal with God that I would try to honor his word at every level. And when someone asks me to go on a mission trip, the answer is automatically yes. Uh, That's the answer. Because the truth is, he already told us to go. I remember one time when we were, I was with a bunch of church planters and they were praying about where they were going to plant the church. Should we plant it here or should we plant it there in this city or that city? And so they were all gathering together to say, God, what's your heart for the city of this or the city? What's your heart? What do you want me to do? Should we go to this city or that city? Can I just level with you the answer that came in that moment? It doesn't matter. Pick a spot. Just go to that one. Because the answer is yes, go. Plant the church there. See, when going on a mission trip or agreeing where to plant the church, the answer is already yes. What you need to pray about is not going. What you need to pray about is if you're supposed to stay. The prayer is, God, should I stay? (laughs) Because there's good reasons to say no to going on a mission trip, right? I my wife just had a baby. <laughs> That's a good reason to stay home. Or uh, uh, we just started a job and I don't have any vacation time. It's not about money because God can provide for that. But maybe you're in the middle of midterms and you want to get out of school to go on a mission trip. Perhaps you should finish school in that regard. Uh, there, are things, there are reasons to say no to a trip. But the answer is always yes to start with. You know, there's a lot of places in the Bible that we don't have to pray about. You, you do realize that. There are a lot of places in the Bible. You know, God doesn't tell you to pray about whether or not you should tithe or trust him in giving. Right? You don't have to pray about that. You don't have to pray about if you're supposed to serve your church. Oh, I'll pray about that. I'm supposed to be serving in the... You don't have to pray to serve. You're just supposed to serve. The real, the real prayer is, is, God, should I be serving in this area or that area? You don't have to pray about having joy. God, I, I just need to, you to give me joy. You don't have to pray about God giving you joy. He's already made joy available. Our job is to walk in it. We don't even have to pray to forgive. You know that? We don't have to ask God, God, would you give me, should I forgive him because he hurt me? You don't have to pray about that. The Bible's pretty clear already. It says forgive. In fact, if you don't, you won't be forgiven. Let me say it again. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Did that sink in? If, why do I say it like that? Because the Bible already says some things that we need to do. Most of us just kind of think, like, nope, nope, nope. I'm going to pray about that. And it's, let me tell you this. <laughs> I can tell you already what God said. He, because he's pretty clear on most things in our life. I, I already said last week that I would say 95 to 98% of God's will for your life is really clear and already in the Bible. The problem is, is that most of us won't spend time in it. Hmm. <clears throat> a couple of uh, years ago at our church here, we started a reading plan, a Bible reading plan called Lexio Divina. Any of you work in the Lexio Divina? I, we sold journals. We had a, the church's picture or something on the front, and it was great. Many of you bought the journals, and we've sold them a couple of times now. I think they're like a six-month journal. Otherwise, it'd be super huge. So six-month, or maybe it's even a quarterly journal. But nevertheless, <clears throat> the, the journal... What it is, we're at this Lexio Divina plan. There's not a magical Bible studying plan. The thing I like about the Lexio Divina plan is the word Lexio Divina literally means in Latin divine reading, right? <clears throat> Here's what I love about this 
Bible reading plan that we do here at our church. There's more important, there's more weight thrown on listening to what it is that you're reading than just getting through it. I think some Bible reading plans, uh, their goal is to just get you to check the box and read the four chapters and write a few things or read the next chapter or the next six chapters and get through. And then at the end of the year, you can say, I've been through the Bible. The real question for me is this. You may have been through the Bible, but has the Bible actually been through you? So I'll level with you as your pastor. I don't care how long it takes you to get through the Bible. I don't care if you read the same passage of Scripture every day for the next six days. The Bible itself says that it's living and breathing and sharper than any double-edged sword. You could read the same passage for the next six years, and God begin to show you something different each time you read it. Because it's alive. God's word is breathing. God's word is sharp. So in this Lexio Divina plan, it's, it's really got five, part, five parts. The first part is, is to rest. Second part is to read. Then it's to ruminate, to respond, and to rest. Right? Can I tell you of the five parts, the part I have the most trouble with? The first one, quiet. Getting yourself quiet. Now, I get up early in my house, and usually that's not a problem as far as the area that I live in. I can get quiet in my house. But the quieting of my soul is the hardest part because I want to get stuff done. I want to get on the move. I got to get the day started. I got to start checking emails and text messages and voicemail. Come on, don't leave me out there alone. You know what I'm talking about. Quiet, right? So, so uh, listen, if you want to know more about this Lexio Novena plan and trying to figure out what it is, go online to our website, PugetSoundForsquare.com, click teaching, and there's a little tab under there that says Lexio Divina. It'll give you the reading plan. It's actually got the reading right in there, so you don't have to crack your Bible, but you can actually sit there and do it together. Get a journal and a pen. Can I just challenge you personally? This, uh, I, I do this for myself because it helps me. Because I'm a distractible guy, I choose to do my Lexio plan. I choose my, I, I choose my devotional plan to use a paper Bible. You can use your electronic versions if you want to. But here's what happens with electronic versions of my Bible. I get notifications. People text me. There's a bring, bring, bring. And I always will just like, well, I'll look at that later. But in my heart, I'm already looking at it, right? You know what doesn't happen when you read your paper Bible? That, right? <laughs> well, it does. And so in my, late, in my paper Bible, if you open up the first flap, there's a bunch of sticky notes. Then a bunch of sticky notes. You know what I do with sticky notes when I read my Bible? Is I'll just write in what it is that I'm thinking and then shut the front part of my Bible. Right? In fact, I think, honestly, sticky notes are the key to spiritual maturity. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? Next time you sit down and do your devotional, put a sticky note next to you, and you'll fill it up. Just write down the question. Got to pay the bill. Got to make the phone call. Got to go to the meeting. Write it down and move over to your reading. Deal? I'm just telling you. Lexio Divina, these five parts. I love it. Quiet, read, ruminate, respond. In Latin, just for fun. Lexio, meditatio, oratatio, and contemplatio. The whole point of it is to, is to get you, it's like reading five verses like three times in a row and then meditating on it and saying, God, what are you saying to me about this? You'll be surprised at what he'll say to you. If you have five chapters to read, sometimes it's difficult. And I challenge myself. Sometimes when I'm reading the five verses, I'm like, because I'm who I am, I want context. I want. And so I always, tell, I always act like an overachiever. It'll be like in John chapter 13, you know, verses 14 and 21 or something. And I'm like, okay, that's just a few verses. I can read that. But what did chapter 14 verses 1 through 13 say? Right? And so the overachiever in me wants to go back and read the rest of the chapter. It's there on purpose. I give you a short set of verses 
Because I want to challenge you to learn something from those set of verses. Overachieve all you want to afterwards. But I want you to focus on ruminating and asking what God's saying to you. What am I trying to do? I want to, I want to teach you how to hear the voice of God. And, and I also want to apply a little peer pressure. That's why I have you all doing it at the same time, with the same verses. You know why? Because the next time you see somebody in church, you can say, hey, would you get out of your reading today? And they give you the look of like, ah, uh, what reading? The next time they'll read, trust me. I think peer pressure was God's plan and the devil took it. Come on. It was kind of tongue-in-cheek there, laugh, something. Tough crowd. Recognizing God's voice. Number two, keep an eye on the gatekeeper. <clears throat> keep an eye on the gatekeeper. Listen to this, John chapter 10, verse 2. For the shepherd enters through the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep hear his voice, and they come to him. So altogether, the shepherd, who is the shepherd here speaking of in this passage? Any giver, takers? It's Jesus, right? Jesus is the one who's the shepherd. Uh, who, who is the sheep in this story? That's us, right? We're the sheep in this whole thing. Here's the question I have for you this morning is this. Who's the gatekeeper in this story? Who's the gatekeeper? It says here, verse 3, the gatekeeper is the one that opens the gate for the shepherd. Hmm. Who's the gatekeeper that opens the gate for the shepherd? If you know this, back in uh, th this time frame, sheep would often be put in a pen, and a pen was this circular kind of thing. The, the gate was, what was where a gatekeeper would open. The gatekeeper's job was basically to work the night shift. And so the, the shepherd would say, hey, I'm, I'm clocking out, I'm going home with my family, and the new guy clocking in would be there as the gatekeeper until morning when he would open the gate for the shepherd to walk into his sheep, the gatekeeper. I can tell you this, it's a little humbling to say this, but to be honest with you, as this illustration plays out, again, it loses, if you stretch it out too far, you lose something in this, but I can tell you this, what I believe this is talking about in this particular passage is the gatekeeper who opens the gate for the shepherd in our context today is me, is the shepherd, the pastor rather, it's the pastor of the church, that, that my job is to, is to be there during the night shift, if you will. And this night shift that I'm in, I get, to, I get to sit there and open the door for the shepherd to walk into your hearts. Let me tell you this, the Bible says about my role as a calling as, the, as a pastor, it says that I will incur a stricter judgment than you will, right? How many takers we have now, right? I get that, man. I, it's, it scares me. It scares the, the out of me. I'm telling you, there's a part of me that, that just makes me stop and think like, God, I don't want to do something foolish or wrong. The Bible says to lead one of God's people astray, it, it's better for a man to have a millstone tied around his neck and thrown out into the deepest part of the sea. By the way, if you've ever seen a millstone, a millstone is like this, is, is a rock that's about this big around, and it's about this thick for the ground, and there's a big stone that, that runs around on top of this, this, this big mill. That big rock right there, it's got a hole in the bottom of it, it's called a millstone. It weighs thousands of pounds. You know how fast you would fall to the bottom of the ocean with a rope around your neck tied to that thing? I remember when I was in Israel and I saw a real millstone. And that passage came to me, Lance, you're the, sh you're, the, you're the pastor here overseeing, you're the gatekeeper of this church. For you to lead them astray, wrap that bugger around your neck and hop off the boat. Okay, it scares me. So here's what I'm going to tell you. If you want to hear God's voice at this point during the night, watch the gatekeeper. I'll do my best to lead you to allow Jesus to come into your heart, to allow Jesus to speak to you. Everybody say, I'm glad I don't have your job. 
Listen to this. When I talk to you about stepping out in faith, what I'm trying to do is open the door for you to see Jesus better. When I talk to you about forgiveness, what I'm hoping to do is hold the door open for you to find freedom. When I talk to you about trusting God in your finances, what I'm hoping to do is to try to pry open the door to a deeper level of trust for you and your family. When I call you to a higher place in the places that you're living, my hope is to kick open the door so that you will stop being overwhelmed in these areas of your life. My job as the gatekeeper, or as the, the actual translation in the Greek is the watchman. My job is to, is, to, is to be here to guard at night. Now, my job isn't to make sure that, that you don't make foolish decisions. You'll make those, right? My job is to make sure that, that we do our best, to, that the robbers don't come in over the back of the fence. And my job here as we're, we're, we're the night watchmen, if you will, to help you. I want to kick the door open, but when I kick the door open, allow Jesus to come in and stretch you. Allow Jesus to challenge you. Allow Jesus to speak to you. The Bible says when the watchman opens the door, it says that Jesus comes in, they hear his voice and they follow him. As you're here at church and you're hearing messages from my heart, I believe they're from the Lord at this moment. Are you hearing a message that's challenging and stretching you from the heart of God in regards to that? Hmm. Number three, how to hear God's voice. How to hear God's voice. Follow other sheep who are following after him. Follow other sheep who are following after him. Listen to what it says in John 10, 3. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. They follow him because they recognize his voice. You know, this is kind of a scary part because this is where some people really go off track. And they start to blindly follow someone that's, that's just weird. And they're getting them off in some crazy land. And they would say, hey, well, you told me to follow people who are following after Christ. Listen, don't, don't remove your brain all right, engage your brain and make sure that the person that you're following actually knows God and is walking in accordance with his will. God never asked us to blindly close our eyes to, to following after somebody. In fact, I think following after somebody, it's really important. I think the Bible says real clearly about our, our job is to be ones who are discipling someone or one who are being discipled by others. It's, it's probably the most clear in anybody who's gone or experienced the area of recovery, maybe from alcohol or from a drug addiction or in some sort of recovery program that you've been involved in, they have what they call a sponsor. And I love this. A sponsor in a recovery program isn't the one who sits there and says, now do this, now do this, now do this. You know what a sponsor does? Here's what a sponsor is. A sponsor is someone who's had just a little more success in the program than you have. And their job is to say, this is what I'm doing. Just watch me. And when the, the sponsee starts to hang a left and go weird, the sponsor's job is not to run after and smack them. The sponsor's job is say, to say this, hey, when you're ready to get back on track, I'll be here. Just watch me. Their job is not to fix the person. I think sometimes in Christianity, we get this idea that as a discipler, a guy who's uh, walked it a little longer, my job is to watch every step you take and point out all your flaws. Nah, listen, I think recovery's got it better when their, their point is, hey, listen, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul said, right? Paul said, Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. He didn't say, um, I'll watch every step you take and every mistake you make, I'll point it out. Who do you have in your life that you're following that's following harder after Jesus than you are? If you don't know that person, can I just make a recommendation? If you want to hear God's voice a little more clearly, follow them as they follow Christ. I've had men and women in my life over the 35, 40 years of walking with Jesus 
People who, people who challenged me deeply, Kurt, Michael, Tom, uh, Dave, the, these people who, uh, Carol, the, these people who have said to me, Lance, I mean, I'm willing to be corrected. In fact, there are people here in this church who I have submitted my life to who, who had the freedom. I sat down with, a, uh, with somebody last week who corrected me on something I said when I was preaching. And, you know, I'm supposed to say, I'm the pastor, I'll tell you. You know what I said? I said, thank you. You're right, I shouldn't say that anymore because it could be hurtful or misconstrued. See, if you, can't, if you can't follow after Jesus by following after someone else is following after Jesus, then you're in the wrong game. You can learn from anybody. You go back and teach Sunday school and watch these kids believe Jesus. You know what you can do? You can follow them because they actually believe this stuff. Come on. You want to build up your most holy faith? Serve back there. Right? Because they, they actually believe this stuff. They're surprised that you don't. They're like, you know what? You said to trust God with our finances, and they're bringing their mom's purse to you. <laughs> you were like, well, <laughs> I got my dad's wallet. Let me tithe. Right? Okay. They would, trust me, because they believe this stuff. We're the ones that are like, honey, he was kind of, you know, let's temper that thought. Are you following somebody who's following Jesus? Listen, by the way, in this, in this particular point, follow other sheep as they're following after Christ. I love this. It's so important. But can I just tell you one of the ploys of the enemy? One of the ploys of the enemy that he uses often is to isolate you. He'll isolate you. He'll pull you away from the rest of the flock and begin to tell you, you need to marry him. You need to quit your job. You need to start this thing. You need to buy that boat. You need to whatever you got to do. You need to leave your wife and go with her. I mean, I'm telling you, the enemy will always do that. He'll, you can always tell, I promise you, you can always tell the, the, the devil's voice because it always begins and ends in isolation. He'll always isolate you. He'll always try to pull you away. Don't talk to the, 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 the perp team about that because they'll talk you out of it. <laughs> then it's probably something you shouldn't be doing. Because God is, remember, I said last week, God's word can always be tested, can always be brought back by the word of God. Anytime you feel an isolated word, it's probably not, it's not God because God is willing to be tested in his word all the time. He says to test it. Amen? Finally, number four is this. How to recognize God's voice? Run from strangers. Run from the stranger's voice. Let me, let me, let me explain. The stranger here is this. In the Greek, it actually means one belonging to another or the enemy. Run from his voice. Don't play with it. Don't say like, well, you know, you got a point there, enemy. <laughs> you know, I do deserve a little break today. I, I do deserve this moment. Run. It says run. It says the, those, who, those who don't recognize this, God, this voice, it says they know it's the voice of the stranger. I love that it's actually called the stranger here because we, if we call it evil and the enemy, then sometimes we'll get confused. It's literally the stranger that belongs to another. It says ignore, run. It doesn't say just live in it. It says to run from it. I gave a couple examples of, of the God's voice versus the, the stranger's voice. God's voice is always empowering. You can write these down, the difference between the two. God's voice is empowering. Isaiah 55, 11 says, My word will not return empty, but it will accomplish that which its purpose. The stranger's voice is always filled with anxiety, worry, shame, and fear. The enemy's voice will always motivate out of worry, shame, fear, and anxiety. God's voice is, is he literally, his voice is empowering. God's voice, is crea God's voice creates clarity. 
The stranger's voice creates confusion. The clarity of God's voice, it says in Psalm 19:8, the commands of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight to life. God's voice brings refreshment to your soul. Psalm 19:8, commands of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The stranger's voice tears you down one lie at a time. God's voice stirs up sweet humility within us. Hebrews 4.15. The stranger's voice stirs up pride and self-fulfillment. In your heart of hearts, the voice of God and the voice of the stranger will oftentimes sound very familiar. The issue isn't what voice you hear the issue is, is what voice you choose to listen to. The enemy's voice can sound a lot, a lot like God's voice because he's a counterfeiter. I don't know if this is true, but I remember hearing at one point that, that these guys who were, who were designed, trained to be counterfeit specialists in banking, I, I was told a long time ago that they, they don't study counterfeit bills that in order for them to understand what a counterfeit bill looks like, they spend more time studying the authentic bill so that when they see a counterfeit, it's easily seen. If we spend more time listening to the voice of God and trying to hear and understand what it is that he's saying, you'll recognize the voice of the enemy quickly because it'll come across as urgent and filled with anxiety and fear. He'll come across as a lie, or he might even come across smooth and cunning and say, you know, uh, you, you deserve this because you've worked so hard in that area. And it might feel sweet and smooth, but when you recognize it's not the way God would talk, and you see it's a lie. You've got to know the truth. You've got to know the authentic. You've got to know God's voice. I'm not asking you to consider doing the Lexio Divina. I am challenging you. If you'll allow me to be a gatekeeper in your life, go to our website, listen, read the Lexio Divina, get it in your heart. Spend time fighting to hear God's voice. The Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. God talking to us, saying, I'm knocking. Will you open the door? The enemy say, I'll just start yapping. I'll just drive it in through your TV. I'll drive it in through the internet. I'll drive it in through your phone. I'll drive it in through your friends. But will we stop and listen to what God's saying? I'm just telling you, it's imperative that we know what God's saying. Amen. Let's pray. God, you're so good. Lord, I know that your heart is so much wanting to communicate to us today on how to hear your voice, not just hear, how to listen to your voice. Lord, I pray that the words that were spoken today would go deep within our soul. God, and that we would come out on the other end saying, yes, that's what I need to do. Help us to be not hearers of the word only, but doers of what it is that we're hearing. We need you, God. Through all your eyes closed and your heads bowed, maybe you're here this morning, you've never heard, you heard me say a minute ago that those who are believers can hear God's voice. And you've been wondering how come you don't hear God's voice and maybe you're at a place where you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've gone to church for a long time, but maybe you've never actually surrendered it all to him. Maybe the days of the day that you become a Christian and you literally say, God, I give you me. If you've never done that this, this, uh, this time in life, go ahead and right now. Just say, God, I give you me. 
Fill me with your spirit. Come in and, and fill me up today, Jesus. I give you my life. I surrender it all to you. Open my, uh, my understanding so I can, I can listen to your words. I want to be a Christian today. I need you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.